Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us here this morning as we continue on in this series, A Fresh Start. I wanna begin by just acknowledging something, that I'm not sure how you are feeling today, and I'm not sure how I will be feeling when we're all watching this here together on Sunday morning. That right now, this is Wednesday evening, and we're just recording, getting ready for Sunday morning, and I know that tomorrow begins this new stay at home and stay safe uh, kind of act that we're all gonna be under. And so I just wanna acknowledge the fact that I'm unsure of how I will be feeling, and I'm unsure of how you will be feeling, I don't know what situation that you might be facing or some of the emotions you might be going through, but here's what I do know and something that I do incredibly believe we all need to be reminded of, that today we are actually following and listening to a God who knows, who cares, and who gives. If you remember, this was our main point last week that we learned that the Father above, He knows what you are going through, He cares about what you are going through, and then He gives and provides for our needs and meets us in the places where we are at. And so not knowing the future, I do want to remind us of the one thing that we can be certain of, that our God above is one who knows, who cares, and who gives. And I want to remind you of that this morning. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, what we are taking a look at here today, uh, he begins by reminding us of this. And then he wants to shift this, actually, into something that we're all called to do. And I think what we're called to do is something that will actually give us a fresh start in 2021. Because here's what I believe uh, will make 2021 better, okay? Because already, it's kind of been all over the place. I think we can all kind of agree with that. It's already been all over the place. Here's what I think will actually make 2021 better, is that if we learn to get rid of super judgy people in our lives, our lives will be better. That's what I think, okay? Krista's kind of rolling her eyes in the background. Um, But um, this is what I believe. I believe that our lives will be better, wholer, and healthier with actually less super judgy people in them because this is just true, okay? Nobody really wants to hang out with super judgy people, right? You're not like, wow, that legalistic person at work, I'd really like to spend some more quality time with them. Right? You're probably not like, wow, that person who always gives unwanted opinions to my life, I'd like more of that, right? Because this is just true. When people are really judgy or legalistic or condemning, it doesn't give us life. It honestly just drains life. So I think that 2021 would be better with less judgy people in it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I was talking about, you know, super judgy people just there, how many of you were picturing somebody at work, maybe on social media, a family member or whatever? But here's where I'm really going to go with this. And come on. Like, some of you should have seen this coming, right? How many of you were picturing, like, yourselves, really, right? Because I think this is where the real issue is. Not with other people, but with ourselves. Because I'll at least speak for myself. Is that I have a tendency towards judginess. This is very true. That I hide in niceness. That's that's probably the... That may you be the most. That may be the most like accurate and true and nice thing I've said. Um, <laughs> I have a tendency towards this, but when I'm being judgy, here's the real honest thing or the real vulnerable thing. When I'm being judgy, I don't see myself as judgy. I see myself as being honest, as being helpful, as bringing a balanced viewpoint, or correcting, or just telling the truth, or whatever. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, yeah. Krista, yeah, she gets all my offhanded comments that happen all the time. So my point is just this, right? I kind of bring us back, thanks for stuff from what we're trying to be talking about. My point is just this, is that judginess is so easy to perceive in others, but we are almost always blind to it in ourselves. Let me say that again. That judginess is so easy to see in others, but we are almost always blind to it within ourselves. But here's what I believe because Jesus directly states this, okay? That Jesus wants to rid the church of judgment and judginess and legalism and all of that stuff. And he wants to begin with this within your heart and within mine. That today, when we come to talk about judgment, because Jesus is going to talk about do not judge. Okay, that's what he's going to say. That today, when we come to talk about this, my perspective is this isn't a sermon for someone else. This is a sermon for us. And we need to be looking in with our own lives inwardly 
inwardly about what God might say to you and what he might say to me. Because if we're going to have a better 2021, I believe that that does mean having fewer and less judgy people in it. And I believe that begins with you and it begins with me hearing and responding to Jesus' words. So let's not take my word for it. Let's actually hear what he says. Okay, this is Jesus. And in many ways, like honestly, this couldn't be any clearer. Jesus says this, do not judge others. Like that's what he says. Do not judge others. He says, and then you will not be judged. He says, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And he says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy and don't throw your pearls to the pigs. They will trample the pearls and then they will turn and attack you. And as I said, I just think that when it comes to this passage, Jesus is incredibly clear. And I think when Jesus is this clear, we shouldn't like debate it or dismiss it. We should probably just like do it, right? If Jesus says, do not judge, this is something that we are called to do. But I think sometimes we almost ignore the teachings of Jesus that are this unequivocally clear. Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher and a Christian, he said this. He says, the matter is quite simple. He says, the Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians, that's what he says, we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand it, we are obliged to act accordingly. I think that that's true. And Jesus here isn't inviting us to debate or dismiss his words. He's inviting us to follow them, to be obedient to them, to submit to them. But the question is, this really does, what do these words mean? Because as I said for myself, right, it can be hard to live a judgment-free life. It can be hard to actually follow Jesus when he says, do not judge. So what does this mean for you and what does this mean for me? I want to explore it a little bit deeper. And the first thing I want to point out is that the word that Jesus uses here when he says this, uh, do not judge others and you will not be judged. The word that he uses there in Greek is the word krino. And it has a pretty large semantic range, which means it can mean actually a fairly large amount of things. And this is what it can mean. Krino can mean to separate, to make a distinction between, to exercise judgment upon, to estimate or to appraise or to decide or to regulate or to judge. That's really what it can mean as well. And in the Greek, the word krino really has both a positive aspect and a negative aspect to it. Much, very, very similar to the word, our word judge, which is a really good translation for it. So to give you an example, in English, our word judge has both positive and negative attached to it as well. Like when we say, wow, that person is super judgy, that's a really negative statement. When we say, wow, that person is really critical or whatever, it's a very negative statement. But you can also use the word judgment or judge in a positive one. Like when we say that someone is a good judge of character, that's a positive statement. When we say to someone um, that they use good judgment, again, that's a positive statement. When my mechanic says to me, Andrew, in my judgment, you should never drive your car again because it's falling apart. Again, that's a helpful judgment, right? And in, the word krino in Greek has the same sort of positive and negative to it. And so here, when Jesus says, do not judge others, I want to be clear on this. He is not saying that we shouldn't make any discernment, any healthy appraisals whatsoever. What Jesus is trying to rid ourselves is really of this, of that kind of fault-finding, condemning, critical, separating, legalistic, judgmental spirit that we so often slip into. That's the negative form that he wants to rid, uh, not only from the church, but from the world and from our lives, because Jesus, as the full revelation of God says, do not judge. Or really, don't be that fault-finding, you know, uh, critical, legalistic, condemning kind of person. That's what he's saying. And Jesus actually says that if we do this, there's actually a consequence to it. So for Jesus, it's not only clear, but it's so important that he actually attaches consequences to it. Listen to what he says next. These are for me, these are for me, some of the most 
halting verses I've ever read. Jesus says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. And then he says this, for you will be treated as you treat others. Hear that, you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging will be the standard uh, by which you will be judged. And in many ways, that's pretty halting or arresting, isn't it? Like, just pause and think about that. Because as soon as I heard that verse, I started picturing in my own life when Jesus says the same standard you will use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. That if we are going to be condemning and critical and give no grace to others, that's the same kind of standard that will be used for us. These verses should really cause us to pause and reflect on our lives. And just, like, imagine with me if all Christians actually followed these words, right? What if we actually all put this into practice? Wouldn't our world be a vastly different place? Because what we know by and large is that Christians haven't been practicing this, especially in the West. Because what we know is that whenever uh, you know, people are polled about who Christians are, do you wanna know what the number one thing that comes up about Christians? Is that they're judgmental, is that we're judgmental, is that we aren't following this clear teaching of Jesus. So I think we have some work to do because Jesus is so clear, do not judge, and then he actually attaches some consequences to it. That if we become that critical, legalistic, no grace giving kind of people, that's the same standard that will be used for us. So Jesus is just really clear, we can't judge, and he attaches consequences to it. But I think that also does raise some questions for us. Like, does this mean that like anything goes? Does this mean that we never have like a really kind of maybe a heightened, tense, or conflict-orientated conversation with someone? Does this mean we never bring up anything? Well, no, actually, that's clearly not what's going on. Listen to what Jesus says next. He first wants to rid us of that fault-finding, condemnation, critical spirit we can so often slip into but then he does uh, give us some direction for how to have some of those necessary conversations when something is like unhealthy, sinful, or destructive. Jesus says this. He says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? He says, how can you uh, think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? He says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well. Now this should really right off the bat, clear up the point that Jesus here isn't just saying anything goes, right? Because he says that some things are specks, some things are planks, some things are destructive, unhealthy, sinful, and wrong. What Jesus wants to give to us is a model here for how to deal with those things, right? For how to approach those things, for how to have some real conversations about them. And the first thing that I want us to notice is that when Jesus says about addressing anything that is unhealthy, destructive, or even sinful in someone else's life, where does he want us to begin? Where is his starting point? That according to Jesus, follow with me, the starting point is never someone else's life. The starting point is what? Starting point is your life. Listen to what he says. He says, first, first get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What Jesus is saying is that before we ever seek to go and address anything else with anyone else, we first need to deal with our own sin, our own brokenness, our own plank or log, our own junk that we all carry. What Jesus is really against is us coming against someone hypocritically as higher than thou, as better than them, and saying, this is what you need to change, being completely oblivious to our own sin, brokenness, and junk within us. Jesus always here wants us to begin first with us before anyone else. And one of the reasons theologically that Jesus is so against us taking the place as judge over someone else, coming against them and saying, you are wrong, you are bad, all that sort of stuff. One of the reasons that Jesus is so against that is follow with me, theologically, If we place ourselves as the judge, we are placing ourselves in God's place. Let me say that again. That when we judge someone, we are actually placing ourselves in God's place. Because guess what? There is a judge and his name is Jesus Christ, correct? 
right? And it's not us. None of us is so perfect, holy, and put together that we get to make judgments on someone else. We don't get to cast the first stone or any stones. Welcome to following Jesus, okay? He is the judge and he is the one who will do it perfectly. And when we judge someone else, we are actually saying that we are as good as Jesus and placing ourselves in his position. This is why it is so wrong. It needs to be totally rejected as Christians. Because as Christians, we fall under the true judgment of our loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we know that he is the one who exercises it perfectly, not us. Okay, so the first thing is, the first thing is, is that we don't then take Jesus's place as judge and judge someone else. We deal with our own junk first, okay? We deal with our own junk first. That's the first place, first thing. Second thing, second thing, notice with me that Jesus actually isn't against us going to someone and actually having maybe a bit of a difficult conversation or raising some things. But notice with me the context that it is set in. Notice with me what Jesus says, okay? Uh, He says this. He says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, um, and he continues on. So follow with me. What does he say? Why worry about a speck in, in whose eye? In your friend's eye, right? Notice with me, this entire passage is set in the context of relationships. So Jesus really isn't against. If you've gone and done the work and really worked through your own junk and you go to a friend really caringly and in humility and say, you know what, I see some of this stuff. I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit concerned. I don't know if this is healthy. Jesus is not against true friends going to one another and saying, I see something. Can we talk about it? What Jesus is against is judgment happening outside of the context of relationship. That is what he is against. He's against people going and judging other people who have no relationship, no connection whatsoever. Because notice with me, in this passage, it is all about friends going to one another. He says, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? It's about a friend. It's about a friend. But I think what often happens, unfortunately, is we so often lob like grenades of condemnation at people we barely know, are barely acquainted with, and barely have a relationship with. And the way that this most often happens in the church, I think it's important to correctly name things. The way this most often actually happens in the church is where people use family language to actually hide a lack of relationship. Where I want to say that again. This is what can happen in the church. People can use family language to hide a lack of relationship. So what people might do is they might say, you know what, as a brother or sister in Christ, I have a concern. Even though you have no relationship with them whatsoever. Or they might say, as a fellow Christian or whatever. They're using actually family language to hide uh, actual lack of relationship. But here Jesus is just unequivocally clear that when you go to deal with a speck or a, blank, or a plank or a log or whatever, you do that only in the context of relationships, in the context of family and connections with people that you invest in. Because trust me, trust me, any relationship that has ever been, I don't know, really shaping on my own life, there's been some of those really, I don't know, difficult conversations. But it's because of the relationship that those conversations were able to happen. So that's the second thing that Jesus points out, that if, if you're going to be having these conversations, we first deal with our own junk, and then we only deal with them in the context of relationships. And Jesus actually wants to address this a little bit deeper, actually, because he wants to continue, and he wants to actually make the point that just because you see somebody doing something you disagree with, did you know? You can actually just let it go. Let's see what Jesus specifically says. He continues, and he says this, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Or in your passage, it might say, don't waste what is holy on dogs. Uh, it says, and, and then he continues, and he says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. And here, essentially like the big idea of Jesus, here it is kind of up front, is that Jesus is saying, use discernment with who you talk with and when you talk with them. That's what he's saying. 
Really use discernment with who you talk with, when you engage in some of these really important conversations or difficult ones. Just use discernment when you actually seek to engage in some of this. So what he's doing is using two kind of ideas here. And he talks about both dogs and pigs. The problem is, in our day and age, we think of dogs and pigs as like nice and cuddly. So we think of pigs as like baby, like the you know, cute little babe um, from the movie. Or we think of like dogs as like man's best friend and Marley and mean and wonderful and all of that sort of thing. But remember, back in Jesus' day and age, uh, dogs and pigs weren't actually cuddly and cute. They were wild and dangerous. That's what it is. And Jesus here is just being really clear. He's saying, don't force things on people who actually have no desire for them, no use for them, and are interested in them in any way, shape, or form. That's the image he's doing. Because what he's saying is don't throw something that is really valuable, right? Like your morality, like your theology, whatever it may be, upon somebody who has no interest in it. Because follow with me, what does Jesus say? He says, don't throw pearls to pigs. Now pearls, right, are incredibly valuable things. They're important things, they're worthwhile things, right? They're even treasures in many of Jesus' parables. Pearls matter, but follow with me. Pigs have no use for pearls. They just don't care. So don't be forcing things on someone who just doesn't care. Because if you do, Jesus says this, if you do this, they're likely to turn and attack you. And I thought about, like, how could I explain this? How could I show this? And I thought of no greater illustration than this, than Facebook, okay? So here's what I think. I'm gonna share with you something quite radical, something you might not have ever realized, but this is absolutely possible. Did you know, did you know that while scrolling on Facebook, you can see something that you radically disagree with, something that you really, really makes you upset. And did you know this? You can just keep scrolling. Did you know this? You actually don't have to engage or comment or whatever, because I actually think this is a perfect example of throwing pearls before pigs. That so often when we get in these online debates or in the online comment section debates or whatever, really what we're doing is we are actually throwing pearls before pigs, meaning that we are engaging in stuff that no one is really actually interested in. People aren't changed through that. They're not interested in having honest conversation through that. And really, it's just a waste of time and a waste of energy, and it actually hurts our witness. So here, Jesus, when he's talking about pearl and pigs and um, unholy and dogs and all of that, what he's trying to get at is just something I think we should all realize, is to use discernment with when we engage with someone, and to use discernment with how and at the time and all that sort of stuff. A good friend of mine who worked with us before he retired for years uh, here at Bethany, his name was Ian Wood, and he is fantastic. And Ian had uh, 10 sayings he would kind of always say. This is the top Ian Wood saying that he would always remind us of. He would always say, don't wrestle with the pig uh, because you both get dirty and the pig likes it. And I think that is exactly what Jesus is kind of saying here. Don't engage in those really useless engagements where the someone isn't interested and you don't have relationship because what will end up happening is they will turn and attack you. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, what I think we learn is three, and I put it this way, interrelated or interwoven things. The first is, is that Jesus says, do not judge. The second thing is that we need to then deal with our own junk, our own sin, our own plank. That's what he says. And then the third uh, kind of image with the pearls and the pigs, the real idea is just this, use discernment in the conversations you're having. Use discernment when you engage. Don't force it on someone else because that rarely, if ever, works. Instead, use discernment for when you actually have some of these important conversations. So I think what we learn is really three, three things. Don't judge, right? Deal with your own sin and then use discernment. I think that's what Jesus is saying. And I think that this is something that actually can make our lives healthier and better. Imagine if we all followed these kind of three simple principles that Jesus outlines. What if we got rid of judgment? What if then we started dealing with our own junk? And what if then we used discernment with when to engage and when to just let something slide and to just let something go? So that's my main point this morning. My main point is really just that, that here's what we need to do to have a fresh start in 2021. 
we need to stop judging, we need to start using discernment, and start dealing with our own sin, junk, plank, whatever. That's my main point today, that we need to, to really stop judging and start using discernment and then start actually really dealing with our own stuff. The question is, the question is really like, how do we do this, right? Because in many ways, as I said, judgment can be a hard thing to give up. It can be really tough. It can be something we can so often or so naturally slide into. So how do we actually live this out? Well, to share that with you, I want to share with you three ideas about how you might live this out in your own life and how I'm seeking to try to live it out in mine. And they all have something to do around either stopping judging, either um, then dealing with our own sin, or then using discernment. So first I want to talk about stopping judging. And I think if we're ever going to learn to stop judging, here's what I think we need to do. I think first we need to notice when we do it, right? Because at least for me, I don't notice it so often. I slide into it and I might see it in hindsight, but in the moment, I don't see it, I don't notice it. And that's what causes so much problems. So how do we notice judgment when it's happening? Well, for that, I want to give to you what I think are three signals or signs that judgment may be happening. Okay, and there's three simple things. Whenever there is anger, separation, and blaming, likely judgment is lurking, okay? Whenever there is anger, separation, and blaming, there is likely judgment that is lurking, okay? And to help us understand this, um, rather than me talk more about it, I wanna share with you a story where I think you can, um, I don't know, you can kind of see it. So I wanna begin by just uh, making this clear statement that I think that parenting and COVID is kind of terrible. Anyone else want to just <laughs> say amen to that? <laughs> kind of sucks, that's what I think. I think parenting and COVID uh, kind of sucks, okay? Like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's just, it's just difficult, right? All the normal things are not happening, like they're not going to school and all the normal kind of interactions. And on top of that, every day feels like almost the same, just on like repeat. And maybe like your family is thriving and amazing, and then I'll work at not judging you, uh, you know, according to this like <laughs> sermon and stuff. But I just, I just, it's been, I'm not saying it's been awful, I'm just saying it's just difficult and much more stressful than normal. And so one day, uh, one day I came home and I was quite stressed and just weighty. And what I did was, the kids were just being like, just terrible. And by terrible, what I really mean more specifically now is some time to reflect on it. They were not living up to my expectations to make my life stress-free. That is what was happening, okay? And so I just kind of like lost it. And I sent them all to their room for like seven years, I think. I think that I was gonna be pretty happy if they didn't come out till they could learn to drive or whatever. And I honestly, even looking back on this moment, I can't even remember what they were doing that drove me uh, so like angry or made me so frustrated. Maybe it was just, it was probably just them being kids within COVID. Maybe it was them interrupting my Zoom call for the hundredth time. Maybe it was me having to explain or explain for like, I don't know, the dozenth time that day that yes, when I say no tech, that includes Minecraft, okay? Or maybe it was just, I don't know if your kids are doing this, but our kids seem to be eating snacks 900 times a day. Like, I don't know what it was that kind of set me off that day. It could have been like any of those things, but I just sent them all to their room, right? And I don't even think they really understood why they were sent to their room. Um, I just kind of sent them to their room and said like, that was it. And I remember walking down and then my lovely wife, do you know what she did? My lovely wife didn't say anything after I'd sent them all to their room. She just did this. She was like, hmm. She just gave me that kind of face. Do you know what I mean? That face that's going on. There is a, there is a total face. And, and when she did that, my instant reaction was to be like, what, do you think I'm wrong? Like they're being bad, they're not listening, they're misbehaving, they deserve this, they need to go there. And then she just like kind of raised her eyebrows even more, which just made me more angry. Um, anybody else ever have these normal like things that go on or anyone else kind of suck at COVID parenting like me sometimes? Um, Here's what I want us to notice in that very like, honestly, like uh, regular experience I think some of us can really relate to, is that there is anger there, there is separation, and there is also blaming, which should have clued me in that judgment was happening and something I needed to deal with. 
first of all, we can see the anger really in me that I didn't take Jesus's advice seriously because I didn't deal with my own plank. That because I came home like frustrated, stressed, not really dealing with my own stuff, it just bled out into judgment and condemnation on my kids when it shouldn't have. Second thing we noticed, we noticed separation in that story because I sent them all to their room. But there wasn't only separation like physically, there's now separation emotionally because that's what judgment does, right? Like when you judge someone, that relationship is really severed. That's what goes on. It never brings you closer. It only drives you apart. So when there's real separation, it can often be because judgment is happening. And then notice the third thing that happened that when Krista made her little face at me, right? She didn't even say anything, but when she made her face at me, what did I do? I started blaming. Right? I started blaming them rather than my own behavior. So what I want us to invite you into is just to really recognize this, that I found at least in my own life, that whenever there is anger, separation, and blaming happening, often judgment is lurking just below the surface. Right? And so for me, these are becoming like signs or signals that I need to pay attention and stop what I'm doing. Okay? So the first thing is, is you need to notice when you're judging if you're ever going to change it. Second thing then is you need to start to deal with it. Um, and so for me, I want to share with you the single most helpful thing that has helped me to live, I wouldn't say judgment-free, because like, we've already been there in the sermon that I sometimes struggle with this, but I would say at least dealing with my judginess or whatever else. The single most helpful thing for me is to focus in on Jesus rather than others. Okay? I want to say that again. The single most helpful thing for me to get rid of judginess is to focus in on Jesus rather than others. And that might sound simple, but it is incredibly deep and complex all in one. Because what I notice is whenever someone else has my attention, right, that's when I'm really tempted into comparison that leads to condemnation. Okay? So I'll see someone and be like, I can't believe they're doing that. Or I would never make that choice in like a million years. Or like, do they even know Jesus? Or whatever else I say, either out loud or in my own head. Right? And what ends up happening is I start comparing my life to them. And then notice what I do. I quickly slide into condemnation and judgment. Because I think that comparison almost always leads to condemnation and judgment. But what I found is so helpful is when I stop focusing in on others and start focusing in on Jesus, what I start realizing is both how much work I need to do in my own life, is how much I need Jesus' grace, is how much of a broken, sinful person I am too. And when I start to realize that, I'm much more likely to give grace to those people around me. What I really know is that if I'm ever going to lead a judgment-free life, it comes by focusing in on Jesus rather than other people in my life. Bonhoeffer, speaking of it, and as you know, I really just love Bonhoeffer so much. He often says that. He says this. He says, judging others makes us blind. And this is true. We're often blind to it, even ourselves. He says, whereas love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. And so for me, when my focus shifts to Jesus, I am reminded of the grace that I need and the grace that every other person is just as entitled to as I am. And so for me, that is helpful to focus in on him. Second thing then, in dealing with my own kind of junk is this, is not only to focus in on Jesus, but here's a dangerous prayer, okay? To pray and to ask him, hey God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, where is there a plank in my own life? Where is there some sin I need to deal with? Where is there some stuff that I need to actually work through? Because this is just true. If we were serious about dealing with sin, we wouldn't be looking to other people. We would be looking within. Right? If we are really serious about dealing with sin, we wouldn't be looking at other people. We'd be looking within and saying, God, you know, convict me, challenge me, you know, change me. We'd be doing all of those things. And I think this is what we need to do. That not only do we need to keep our focus on Jesus, we then also need to ask him and invite him to really name and convict us of what we need to change. Right? Of what plank do we need to deal with? And this, for me, has been really oh so helpful. Again, Bonhoeffer puts it this way, and this is pretty strong, but I, I just think it's absolutely true. He says this, If when we judged others, our real motive was to destroy evil, 
We should look for evil where it is certain to be found, and that is in our hearts. That's what he says, that if our real motive was to destroy evil, right? I think sometimes we think, oh, we're judging because we're trying to help them. But he says, no, no, no. If our real motive is to destroy evil and to get rid of sin, he says, we should look for evil where it is certain to be found, and that's in our own hearts. And that's what I invite Jesus to try to do within me, to say, God, what is it within my own heart that I need to shift and change and alter so that then I can follow you better? So if we're going to be able to learn to live judgment-free lives, I think it begins by noticing, you know, when we are doing it with anger, blame, and, and separation. Then it also begins with really focusing in on Jesus and inviting him to really speak into our own lives. The third thing then I think that we need to do, following with Jesus' teaching, is that we need to replace judgment with discernment. Okay? That we need to place judgment with discernment. That I, I'll speak for myself. That often what I see, not only in myself, but also like online and around us, is people just reacting to the world around us. But what I have noticed in really mature Christians, follow with me, is that they do not react to the world around them. They respond to the Holy Spirit within them. This might be the single deepest thing I've said this entire sermon, okay? So please focus in on this. That really mature Christians do not react to the world around them. They respond to the Holy Spirit within them. So what I mean by that is, before you enter into any conversation, are you discerning with the Holy Spirit? Have I dealt with my own junk? Have I dealt with my own sin and shame and brokenness? Is this the time, God, to have this conversation? Am I the person to actually have this conversation? Is this the right time and space and all of that? I think we need to use discernment. Rather than just reacting, we need to actually respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Because what I know, at least for myself, is that unless I am fully centered in the Holy Spirit and His will, those conversations, you know, about difficult things never go well. So I think that's what we're called to do. I think we're called to actually respond to the Holy Spirit, to then be able to use discernment for the right times to enter into some of those conversations. So what does this mean for all of us today? Well, I have a challenge for you. And it's a challenge you likely should have seen coming from like, I don't know, the first like minute of the sermon, okay? My challenge is this, to live a judgment-free life this week. To just cut out judgment out of your life. That's my challenge for you this week. To cut out judgment out of your life. And the reason... I'm inviting you into this is because Jesus so clearly says this, right? He says, do not judge. And I want to invite you and challenge each and every one of us to actually put this into practice this week. And I know it'll be hard. It's hard in my own life, but I actually think that this will make every life around us better if we can learn to follow Jesus's teaching in this. So I want to invite you to actually cut out judging out of your life this week. And to do that, I want to invite you to pay attention for when it's happening, like those signs and signals of anger, separation, and blaming. And if you notice it, I want to invite you then to really turn your focus to Jesus and invite him to say, what is in my own life I need to deal with? And then lastly, before we ever enter into any real conversation about anything that is quite difficult and tense and all of that, we should use discernment. We should be inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to say, you know, God, what do you need to do in my own life? And am I the person? Is this the time? And what are the right words to be sharing? I think what we need to do really is to stop judging. And then we need to start using discernment and start dealing with our own sin. That's what I think Jesus is inviting us into. And so this week, I want to challenge you to do that. And the real promise of this week is this, that if you do this, honestly, it will make your life better and the lives around you better, right? Because how do we begin this sermon with? That honestly, 2021 would be better with less judgy people. And that's really up to us to actually start to do, to practice. And here's the thing that today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, all that we've just shared for you is really optional. I think it will make your life better and wholer and healthier. But can I put it this way? This way of living is not optional for Christians. This way of living is not optional for people who follow Jesus because yes, it will make your life better, but the real truth is it'll make your life like Jesus, which is the real reason that we need to do it. 
So today, I want to just challenge you. Can you seek to live a judgment-free life? Because I know that I need this. I know that my family needs this. I know that our world needs this. Our community needs this. Because this makes us more like Jesus Christ, which is the real point of everything. So with that, would you join with me in prayer this morning? God, I pray. I pray, would you just give us Would you give us strength, Lord, to follow through in this really difficult challenge? I pray, Lord, would your Holy Spirit fill us so that we would be filled with discernment, so that we would be filled with also realization, Lord, for when we are judging and when we can cut it out. God, I also pray that would you just totally capture our imaginations, our hearts, our eyes, our focus in every single thing? And I pray, God, would we get so attuned to your grace that we are then so willing to give it to others? I pray this week, Lord, would there just be a heart change, not only in me, but in all of us, so that we might actually follow you in this incredibly important passage, and that we might follow you in what you ask of us. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.